Revelation 14, 14. Then I looked, and behold, the Lamb stood on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, who had his name and his father's name inscribed on their foreheads. Put to death that nefesh that's wrong about literally everything. I'm ready to cut loose myself. <laughs> the Christian experience has to be sacrificed. Mm. You have to have that soldier attitude. I don't care what they think. I'm here to obey the apostolic commandment. I want to fulfill God's will for my life. Which is the favor that Jesus had from his father by being perfect. Greetings, welcome to RLM TV. God bless you guys. Welcome back, welcome to the cloud. It's good to be in the fresh glory of what God the Father is doing today. There is no people on earth more happy than the obedient ones to the Holy Spirit. But there is also no people on earth more miserable and tormented than Christians who are disobedient to their God. So we need to get into radical obedience and everything the Holy Spirit's asking you to do. We need to do it thoroughly and completely and totally with a cheerful heart and a good attitude. So the sanctification is to really clean us up, clear us out, to do the will of God. And the will of God is what? That you pray without ceasing, rejoice sometimes, always, and uh, give thanks in everything. So there's a thankfulness, there's a cheerfulness, and that becomes a prayer, which means that all of our words come from the presence of His glory. I just watched... Pastor Shadrach's video from Nairobi, Kenya. God bless you. Thank you, Shadrach, for that vision that you shared on Facebook today where I was holding golden keys and people were coming and drinking crystal clear living water. And this, guys, symbolizes sanctification. That river is for the washing of your souls. This is how you're made happy, by drinking of the fountain of the Lamb of God. That's the taking away of the sins, the transgressions, the iniquities, the bloodline curses, the demons, and everything of the world that brings shame and brings sorrow. As it's written, he will blast away all shame and sorrow, and it will be nowhere near those who are led by the great shepherd. He shall lead them to the springs of the waters of life and wipe every tear from their eyes it is written so this wiping away is by the water of the word today that is going to wipe away in every way the stains of sins and transgression and that selfishness of self-consciousness what is the idolatry of building sandcastles a home financial security what's the third one a home financial security Doing something for God. And doing something for God. And guys, you know that those are the three biggest idols in all Christianity. God says it's utterly worthless and building of sandcastles. It's men's strife and men's ideas against the ideas of God. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. How do we get into God's thoughts? Therefore, from his thoughts proceed his ways. From your thoughts proceed human ways but from God's thoughts proceed divine ways. And this is the divine way of the sapphire stones, 
Those who recognize Christ on the inside can easily believe in the path of the moon and the sun and the stars. It's not even complicated when you understand the Creator of heaven is dwelling within your hearts. Therefore, heaven is revealed within your hearts and you just walk into heaven. But if you don't know Him on the inside, it's utterly impossible and it sounds far-fetched. But knowing Him on the inside, remembering first love, is the first step in ascension. That's what begins to do with all that stuff that's kept you earthbound in your heart. All that stuff that's kept you connected to idols. And the main idol is what? You and me. And what you and me can do apart from Him. We need to know Jesus as the stairway. John 1.51, a very important verse for this generation who discovers the stairway as Christ. You can worship the path. You can worship the ladder. You can worship the stairway. Why? Jesus Christ said, I am the stairway, the path. I am the ladder between heaven and earth. That's what Messiah said. Therefore, you're worshiping Messiah if you're worshiping the way. I am the way to the Father, and no one gets to the Father except through this way, Jesus Christ said in the Bible. Therefore, we need to understand and have a greater reverence from the way and the path. And you know, the way and the path is constantly communicating to us secrets and mysteries that we need for success in walking with Him. Why is it important? Because Jesus said, To them I speak in parables and riddles and dark speech. But to you, my friends, I speak in the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. To you I give the mysteries, the mysteries of righteousness, the mysteries of the inner workings of the pathway, of how God created heaven and earth. This is the oral tradition of the Messiah, which is even greater than the oral tradition of Moses, and most Christians don't even have that. But now God has given us the oral tradition of the Messiah and the oral tradition of the Apostles of the Lamb, which will be the complete unfolding of the entire stairway and understanding each rung as Jesus. First Enoch 81 verse 1, Study each stone tablet. We need to know the book of Enoch like the back of our hand in these days. Why? Because he says in chapter 1 of 1st Enoch that this book is for a far off and remote generation, for when all the wicked are to be removed. If you are a part of the removal of death and the conqueror's company who conquers death in these days, Enoch said, this is your book. For a far off and remote generation, for when all wickedness is to be removed from the heavens and the earth, that's known as Mount Esau, the seven mountains of Esau that all the demons are bound in chains in, and that's the kingdom of hell that will be entirely removed, Enoch prophesied, in this generation that learns and obeys Jesus Christ's righteousness. So let us participate in righteousness and learn righteousness so that it may shine like the stars of the heavens forever. Amen. Amen. It's so thick. <laughs> <laughs> glory. Glory. I want to share this too. This is something God gave me right before broadcasting tonight. This is Revelation chapter 14. We hear uh, a group of people, overcomers, who are standing on Zion. That's what God's plan for all of you is, overcoming. To be an overcomer, 
you have to be radically obedient to the Holy Spirit against the human nature. If you are not against the complacent, lukewarm, religious human nature, you can't overcome nothing. You've submitted to the fall. <laughs> You've submitted to human ideas and men's philosophy about God and Jesus and all these worldly things. But a radical overcomer radically opposes human religion, human Christianity, which is Edom. Human goodness, right? Amen. I think, isn't that sometimes a struggle? Is people, they want to be Christians. They want to serve God. And I think maybe you can help them understand this, is that sometimes what God is asking you to step into in, his, in a walk with him, it doesn't look like exactly what they thought the Christian box would be. And so I think that's that's when there's the, the tension in the mind and in the people's hearts where they want to serve God, but the glory to them, the latter looks like, you know, it looks like, why do they reject it? They call it witchcraft, mm. the glory, uh, like even when people learn the drink, Right? Even just going back, how, what what kept a lot of people from getting into the drink of God? What did they think of it or mm. judge it wrongly to be that kept them from walking in that? And how has that played out from out-of-court Christianity to the, the development of, you know, tongues speaking Christians in the earth to God-inside-mindedness and the drunken glory and then now walking on sapphire stones? What is that human goodness wanting to be good? wanting to do what you think is good that keeps people from actually walking in the next move of God. I think well, that's yeah, Jesus said that they love the praises that come from men more than the praises that come from God. Find a person that is willing to please God against man, which is the human nature, the fallen nature, you'll find a disciple of Jesus Christ. And it's not a one-time thing. It's the constant friction against worldliness. But there is an internal peace because you are in the nature of Christ. So even though you're a minority, the Bible calls it a remnant, the remnant that has not bowed to the world or the spirit of Babylon or external Christianity or uh, you know the God of this world, and that remnant is in the heavenly Jerusalem. They're experiencing peace. They're experiencing breakthrough. The prophets called it a majority of one. One person in agreement with the Heavenly Father on the inside is the majority against all the thousands in disagreement on the outside. So it's a majority one. We see that in the Elijah company. Elijah stood up against the whole wicked nation. He wasn't alone. There was a, a, a couple thousand people in the entire world that agreed with him, but it was less than one person of the population. It was a remnant, man. But now in these days, the remnant shall ascend and be saved utterly, saved to the uttermost. Not just the fire insurance, but the soul that has the invincible Shekinah glory. Imagine your father in heaven 1,000 times brighter than the noonday sun. That's the measure of brightness God wants to pass through all of your souls continuously. That's the process of sanctification. You're sanctified to be glorified. Glory is God himself, as is written. God is light. In him, there is no shadows, no shadow men, no shadow women. There's no types and shadows whatsoever. It's just pure glory, Shekinah light blazing. And heaven has no shadows. And so we're removing the shadows from our souls. Shadows 
are areas where your soul identifies with the old Adamic man and the old Adamic woman. Those are strongholds. Those are areas of great deception. And so when the light comes, what does the Bible say? It exposes the shadows in darkness. And it, will bring, it brings the shadow out to the surface to be judged by the light. Everything hidden in darkness will be brought into light. That's a principle from going from glory to glory. And if we read the Apostle Paul's writings, 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, By looking into the Word and gazing constantly, then we are constantly metamorphosized, transfigured, from one degree of glory to a greater degree of glory by the Spirit who is the Lord of glory. That's exactly what it says. So therefore, it's a constant transfiguration. That means a constant increase of light. Is the light intensifying by you gazing into the Word? So how do we eat our Word? By digesting it into our own eyes and senses. The Bible says looking into the Word, they're transfigured. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 3. So in order to go from glory to glory, the person's eyes, their mind, their focus, their five senses have to be looking into the digestion of God's living word that came down through the sapphire stones today. If you're caught up on 20-year-old bread or your own personal studies of what you want to study in God and not what God wants you to study in heaven in the academy of his word and not the academy of you and you figuring it out in your own reasoning and thinking and carnal nature, you know, we begin to steal the things of God and, and prostitute them to the own human nature apart from intimacy of, of constantly yielding to him. So we can see how a person can steal the things of God and then add it unto self. That's what the foolish virgins, Jesus Christ called that foolishness. And it was an attempt at virginity through stealing the things of God so that you're only good on the outside. Guys, until you get a revelation of the glory of Jesus Christ in you, that's all you ever do. That's all infants do. They don't know how to do it because there's such a mixture of the human nature and the divine nature. They just want to take, 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 and they don't understand the yielding on the inside to the person of God. To go from infancy into maturity is Christ the Creator Himself dwelling within you with his own interpretation of the word which is the manifestation of shekinah glory that greater glory is because the great one is now indwelling your bodies and you have yielded that internal understanding from self to christ that transformation is how we go from glory to glory a greater yieldedness each rung requires a key and the key is simply the sacrifice of self. The greater drink of the greater glory, because in the wilderness, which is ascending and overcoming the self-nature, really coming out of the human being, is your wilderness experience. And promised land is entirely Jesus with no mixture. No mixture of your own brain cells, your own blood cells. No, his blood cells, his brain cells. We want that emerald hue and that rainbow round about his throne as the only experience for your brain and for your blood because your nefesh soul is in your blood. Well, how about you experience your nefesh soul in his blood? You know what that's going to feel like? 
the Garden of Eden. That's what Eden is. Eden is now the nefesh that's in the blood is the nefesh mm. in his blood. Man, that sounds so good. I just want to say it out <laughs> loud. My nefesh in his blood. Amen. My nefesh soul in his blood. Because Egypt has a river running through it too, which is called the Nile, which is when the nefesh is in the human blood. Okay. Now, Eden is when the nefesh is in Jesus' blood. That means your whole five cents experience of the nefesh soul, which is important. This is the clay. This is the temple. <laughs> you want the temple to be holy. It can't be holy in the Nile. The Nile is Egypt. The Nile is sin. The Nile is religion. The Nile is sorcery and witchcraft in the guise of divinity. It's all counterfeits. It's all Phariseeism. It's all Herod and politics. It's literally the pinnacle of the human nature pretending to be divine. That's what the Nile really is. They had all the gods, they had all the stuff, they had understanding of the stars, but it was all apart from him. It was a, apart from his bloodline. And so now, as we transfer, this is what sanctification does, it transfers us from our nefesh in the Nile to our nefesh in Zion, in the river of his bloodstream, that Revelation 22 river. And that's really how I see the interpretation of Apostle Shadrach's vision of seeing all those water spouts around me as we begin to give drinks, RLM TV giving crystal clear living water to the nations. And that's written in Revelation where the Spirit and the Bride says, Come and drink freely the waters of life without cost, which means the price has been paid by His blood for you to be transformed. Amen. It is a free gift of grace that you drink the living waters because he only accepts volunteers. He only accepts willing vessels that want and desire to give to him. And afterwards, your response is cheerful giving. But you come in and you understand the freedom of the living water, the freedom that Jesus Christ has purchased for us all. And that comes forth through the drink, the fountain of the Lamb. It's a greater understanding of the gospel. It's a greater understanding of the sapphire stones. And you will drink from these stones that are Christ. And as you constantly drink from these sapphire stones that are Christ, guess what happens? You come into higher, greater realms of Him and begin to comprehend in thunder and in lightning. That's really the language of those who constantly drink and rise on the sapphire stones. They begin to speak thunder. As it's written, when God spoke, it thundered. Amen? Amen. So what is the language of God? Thunder. It's a literal language. So when he spoke, they said it thundered. Well, if we are around those that drink from the sapphire stones, we're like toddlers learning how to thunder. That's why Jesus Christ called some of his disciples sons of thunder. Why? Because they're around the communication of God. And when they begin to communicate, not necessarily while Jesus is on earth, but when he ascended, they thundered later. And he brought the revelation of the thunder, the son of thunder, Apostle John in Revelation, and was told by God to seal up that revelation until the time of the end until the time of maturity, when they will communicate the wisdom of the ages in a level of maturity and sonship never seen before on the sapphire stones of righteousness, then the divine will thunder over the earth again in a great company 
of these who stand on Zion. And the key right now for all of you, you know, I found that getting some anointing oil and anointing your forehead and cursing the lust in your flesh and cursing the lust in your eyes. Man, this is a huge discipleship tip. Just get a little jar of anointing oil. James says the, uh, the mature one can anoint your forehead with physical oil and it will heal your mind. Your minds in this generation, the most perverse generation of all time, are going to need tremendous healing from lust, perversion, and all immorality. And so one of your greatest tools is anointing your forehead with that oil and cursing all spirits of lust in the brain, in the flesh, and in the eyes, and not just cursing the demonic and cursing the, the impure, but welcoming the spirit of virginity of Jesus Christ. Okay? This is something, this is one of the greatest tips I can give you in overcoming and conquering the world is cursing lust and welcoming and inviting the spirit of virginity of Jesus Christ. Where is that written? Right here. 14 verse 4. These who've overcome and stand on Zion have not defiled themselves by relations with women for they are as pure as virgins. Some people read that without wisdom and they say, well, then you have no sex with your husband or wife. That's not what it says in Greek. It says their purity is the purity equal to virginity. Amen? That means that the sacred anointing of Jesus Christ is flowing through them without any human mixture. This is God's plan for your life, to be as pure as virgins. For the heavens can only be inherited through the purity equal to virginity, not just the abstinence that you can have through an external discipline on the outside that religionists practice down below. And it's like, well, they've never had sex. No, that's not purity. Okay, The purity is Jesus, the virgin king, possessing the soul. Those virgins don't have that at all. They're, they're self-righteous. The righteousness that's imparted by Jesus Christ possessing our souls is the virginity of those that stand on Zion. Zion is the kingdom mountain of government that rules over stars and creation. So in order to inherit the power and authority of Zion, we must be as pure as virgins. And that's the sparkling of the living water that we're ministering to you right now. It is to restore your virginity to stand on Zion. Because it's only through that level of maturity and virginity and purity that you can have dominion over the stars and the angels that have dominion over creation and nature. And without that, there will be no transformation of the universe. But with that, the universe will change rapidly. Therefore, fulfilling Enoch 1, the wickedness of the world shall be quickly removed. It is through the virginity of Jesus Christ that wickedness is removed in each star of the heavens, in each angelic post in the heavens and around it, for fountains of wisdom to appear crystal clear and sparkling, to understand the word of God with the angels and as the angels in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. My entire skull feels numb with the anointing. This is really strong. We got so much gold dust and diamond dust around here. And I'm just 
feel completely overwhelmed with the glory. <laughs> I think, um, what did I say today? Oh, because I went up a little bit higher, and this is the first time in my entire ascension journey that I've actually been terrified of the increase of glory. I'm just settling down into it a little bit. Big angel push, yeah. Oh, thanks. So I'm just grateful for the angels and for the help because the glory is terrifying and it's wonderful, but it is terrifying because that part of you isn't going to exist anymore. And it's not really you, it's the old you, which is the fake life. So, yeah, yeah, my skull is just completely numb with the anointing. I'm kind of surprised that I can talk and keep my eyes open right now. <laughs> Actually, I wasn't sure how it's going to go. But there's a birthing going on in this season, and it's about birthing the divine child. You know, I didn't even notice that Brandon was in Luke today. I kind of went off and did my own little study in Luke. And as I was listening to it over here in the room, Luke about the divine child, or Luke, the, uh, <laughs> I sat down to listen to it and I wrapped myself in a blanket. And as soon as I sat down and wrapped myself in a blanket, the Bible narrated, it was narrating out loud. It said that the baby was wrapped in a blanket and it was talking about Jesus. And we're saved by what? What's the verse? The script? Chapter number first. It's <laughs> we are saved by birthing the divine child. Mm. And you know, just having so many experiences of the glory burning out the residual effects of the intruder of sin in the pathways. You know, if you study human anatomy, you can see that the way your body functions, there's connections, there's bones, there's marrow, and there's you know, your brain stem, your central nervous system. What are the impulses from the brain that tell your body what to do? Or how do the emotions affect that? Sometimes the emotions override the other things. Sometimes the will of the brain will override things, and then people do crazy stuff and say mind over matter and blah, blah, blah. But it's really a fascinating work of piece of equipment, the human body, the mind, the body, the heart, the soul. Why did God create us like this? It's fascinating when you include the luminaries. Now, when Brennan was enjoying, I think it was, was it a hobby or studying some technology or something? And I looked over in his, uh, let's see which side it was, your Bina <laughs> side of his eye. I began to say, see the gemstone sparkling with stars inside of it. Sparkling with stars with joy. <laughs> I was like, because Bina is full of stars. Gemstones full of stars. Portals of Enoch where the stars fly through the windows. The openings above the portal, the door, the threshold. Water flowing over the threshold, the portal, and the windows, and the stars. The fixed stars that don't move in their course, and then the stars, the leaders of stars, the leaders of the orders of stars. One of them I've met is a good friend, but it's still so overwhelming, and it is wonderful when the mind can rest, and when the heart can rest 
in the glory and trust that the Word of God says that the Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth. So if we keep our eyes fixed on Him, we will have constant peace and the Holy Spirit we can trust to lead us into all truth. So that's what we need more than ever as we continue to rise is the Holy Spirit leading us into all truth. And as the old burns off, just rest a little and let it go because it is going to burn. And you'll get this training as you step into the glory. Right? You may have been in the river, in the drink, but when you step into the baptism of fire, of glory, and sun and moon and stars, there is a burning. The wheels are turning and he's burning in me. He's burning in you. So what's being burnt? The wood, the hay, and the stubble. If we cling to the wood, the hay, and the stubble, it is quite painful. <laughs> yeah. It's very painful. But if we allow the mind to rest in the fire, sometimes those are those times where you might freak out and text your, your friends, your buddies, and say, help, help, help. Pray for me. And, but you're not really under attack. It's actually the glory attacking the old, what's left to burn away. And so we find that if you can learn early on to rest in the fire, it's easier to let that burn away. And it's a much more pleasant experience. So let it burn. And don't cling to the promises like Isaac. Put Isaac on the altar. What does that mean? What did Abraham do who loved God? I mean, he's the rung of loving kindness. That's his name, Abraham. He put Isaac on the altar. Did that feel good? Was he in the divine bliss and the ecstasy of, you know, that's my joy. Isaac means laughter, it means joy. Those things, the promise, the inheritance, this is my, you know, whatever. Putting that thing on the altar of the Holy Spirit. And along his judgments, his gever to come upon it is essentially what Abraham did with Isaac. But if you try to cling and try to save Isaac, you lose it. The true Isaac inheritance that Abraham was given was the seed of the sand and the stars, which was dominion above and below. And that seed was actually Christ to his seed. In the New Testament, it says to Abraham's seed, not seeds. So all the seeds have to burn. His so, only seed was the Messiah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so if he clung to Isaac and didn't put him on the altar, he would have just had his son and natural family offspring and family idolatry the rest of his life. Mm. But he sacrificed Isaac for Jesus mm -hmm. to inherit the birthing of the divine child, the bringing forth of the seed of Christ through the generations. Which generations? What is generations? Original generations is when Bina, the womb, the mother above, generated the Sephirot of his said Kevra. They came out like like the turning of the wheels and the birthing. The the womb above the mother Bina is that birthing of the sapphire stones, and they come out like that, and they generate she generated them like that. And what did that produce? No. It's a mystery. 
but it's Mystery of the Ages, the song of all songs, and it's about the love of God. Why were you created? Were you created to be the bride of Christ? Not the bride of Satan, but the bride of Christ. How much does God have a love for you? How much does he want to be the very substance that fills you and floods you and not another? And so don't cling to those other substances that God burns out because it's not about the form. It's not about how good you did your your prayer. That's not how good, how many times your attendance at a church service, your attendance, oh, I saw the live, Harlem TV, TV live every day, five days a week, check, check, check. What kind of boxes, you know, put down the checking of the boxes and go for the ascension in the rungs. And even in the ascension of the rungs, uh, remaining humble because the humility is the root of all virtues, where pride is the root of all sins or anti-virtue. Anti-virtue corrupts and destroys and devours uh, virtues. So to protect virtues, you need fountains of wisdom. And where do we get wisdom? Well, in the book of Proverbs, it says that you have wisdom when you begin to treasure it. So whatever little wisdom that you have, and that's what Shekinah means, little wisdom, right? Hakma above the Father, that's big wisdom, Shekinah, uh, which is Malkut, Yasad, connected to Tiferet, which is union with Christ, unity of Tiferet and Shekinah, that is uh, wisdom, little wisdom. But what, how does little wisdom grow? All the way back up to beginning. If the Shekinah is the end of a matter, or the, the fullness, the end of a matter, of those substances that she receives from all the above Sephirot, then bringing it back, gathering the stones and bringing them back to the beginning. What's the beginning? Hakma. Bina is the end, and Hakma is the beginning. So you see the end from the beginning when you behold the river of time. And I saw the river of time, and there was an archangel, and there was a trumpet being blown. And I saw the river of time, and it seemed like all of time and history and everything that's gone on inside of the realm of time could be summed up in such a, it's such a quick moment that it was just flowing there. And I cried, and an angel that comforted me not to cry. There are so many things that I've seen in the heavenly places, but if you see that place, you're standing on the edge of the river of time and space where the angels make decrees over and outside of time. And I was told to stop crying. And I think someone else had a similar experience. I don't, I don't want to go into detail about a lot of things, but what's important in this life? In the time that you're given, what's important? Did you learn how to love? Did you cling to the ways of Lucifer who fell and became Satan, who experienced the greatest glory even standing inside of the Father, who experienced gemstones and mysteries and secrets. He experienced the Sephiroth. Angels ascending and descending, that's how they go up and down the ladder. What caused him to be permanently shot down? He sinned with pride, he became the father of lies. So the, the root of humility is that virtue that will restore you to your original design outside of that river of time. And so I know we're speaking of eternal things, this might be mysteries, but the value in the things that the carnal mind can't understand or comprehend. The things that are eternal, that are carnal brains, cannot comprehend and understand because it's not for your brain. 
It's for your eternal spirit. And when you value those things, that's how you get wisdom. And that fountain of wisdom is what can protect righteousness. The many fountains of wisdom around righteousness. So we get wisdom as we value and treasure wisdom and we seek it out. And remember that the spirit of apathy does not like to strive in Torah. When you overcome that initial hurdle of that thing on the inside of you that does not wish, that lukewarmness, the spiritual apathy leads to all kinds of problems. Look up spiritual apathy in the New Testament. If you feel like you don't want to study or strive in Torah, what is strive in Torah? Not just, there's a casual listening and that's a start. Get yourself in to the river. You go ankle deep, you go knee deep, you go waist deep, you go deeper, you go deeper, you go deeper until it's waters that cannot be crossed over, waters that cannot be passed over. Waters outside of the river of time, right? The river within the river. And so you just go deeper with God until you don't really care that you're not studying just to show yourself approved to mankind. You're not studying to show everyone how much information and knowledge you have. You're not even studying to be the most powerful Christian or like win the race, do the best, you know? You're not studying for those things anymore. You're studying to show yourself approved how to love God and how to love others. And those are two different dimensions of love God and love others because it's God that you're marrying, right? So you just, the purity and the righteousness, when it comes to those things that the mind cannot comprehend and understand, there's like a, it wants to kind of freak out, right? Because it can't comprehend the things. The carnal mind can never comprehend the things of the spirit. It's at war against it. So you sacrifice your own understanding, your own bina, your own wisdom, your own hakma, and value the wisdom, the eternal wisdom of an unknowable God, or, you know, as the apostle in the New Testament, he said, an unknown God. And in a way, that's true, because we've barely scratched the surface, even in this day and time, of knowing the eternal God. But how do we know him? He said, it says he is known, yada, which is a form of intimacy within the palaces, which are in the internal, interior castles, the mansions. He's the lover of your soul. What does that mean? He's drawing you deeper in interior mansions. He's he's beckoning you. He's sweetening you, right? He's He's giving you kisses of love to draw you away from your other lovers, which are idols, sexual immorality, impurity, all those things. He is the lover of your soul, and he doesn't want you to have another. No other gods have no other gods. Love the Lord. Love the Lord your God. He's known within the palaces. So as he woos you and draws you into those interior palaces, the tensions that you experience, the the in, the uh, spiritual and moral conflict that you experience is what he's setting you free from. In the New Testament, it says that you'd be free from spiritual and moral conflict. And spiritual conflict, moral conflict are resolved as you yield to more of his love for you. That you don't need all these other things that everyone seems to be chasing after. And that he's more than enough for you and you love his word, you love Torah, you want to strive in Torah for the sake of intimacy with him, which is to know him, to really know him, to serve him. And he tests that he tests your soul. He tests your spirit and he'll test you to see 
That's why there's seasons of he draws back, and then the girl in Song of Songs, she looks for him. Where is he to be found? So you return to the shepherding flocks, and you listen. You be shepherded by those he has over your soul looking after you in those times where you can't hear him, where you wonder, where is he? He's actually drawing you further. And she finds out later, he never was really gone. He was always peering through the lattice. He was always there watching. But we go through the process. It's it's like a game of hide and seek with the word of God, the Torah. And when you seek him and you find him, it's when you seek him with all your heart. All your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And that delight when when he's found in that place where he was hiding, in a sense, and you find him, there's joy and delight in the brooks of bliss that you share in eternal love with him. And then again, he draws, what does he do? He wants more of you because he loves you. He wants you to be a vessel that's full of him and not all this other stuff. So he draws you in deeper again. And he asks you to let go of more things that you didn't even know you had hiding in your heart, holding on to in your mind. In your, uh, when you go even higher in the Sephirah, it's in your subconscious and in your unconscious. So those things you're not even conscious of, but in your unconscious part of you, which is still a part of you, you've held on to different idols and immorality and different yokes to demon altars in the heavens. And this is something that's been going with all of humanity since the curse of the fall. So to reverse the curse, you do have to deal with the unconscious things. But don't worry, he goes little by little. Step Every step up the ladder is a little step. Just a little, just, he's like, just come deeper into my spirit. A little bit less of you and more of me because it's him formed within you that's going to be able to love him. He's creating his heart, his spirit, a new heart, a new spirit formed within you. Why? So that you can love God more. And so all the sins you find that people have externally and internally in desiring even the pure things of God is because of a lack of the substance of Christ in that area of the soul or in that sapphire stone. And it's only possible for the person to sin in that area because of why? A foreskin and a membrane. So when you surrender that void of that lack and that need for that substance in your life, what you're really desiring is more of God. And when you're satisfied with God, you stop desiring the other things. But he tests us in this that you don't realize the rewards of intimacy with God until you're willing to sacrifice all the idolatry and immorality without any hope of the promise of Isaac making it off of the altar. Which means you would love him and serve him even if you never got to experience any of those promises. And that's the true surrender and the surrender of Isaac on the altar. And so if you can understand you're learning God's ways, he wants to know who is going to love him regardless of the stuff he gives. And would you follow him even if you didn't get the rewards that you know, everybody wants when they go after spiritual things. I see an angel over here. <laughs> so would you be willing to go another 500 years, 1,000 years, living in the same place, feeling, you know, what would you be willing to do for God? And it's not something that you just make it up, and I would do this and that, but it, he weighs the actual actuality of the inside of the heart. 
So you can pretend with people, you can pretend on your Facebook page, you can pretend in your comments, you can pretend with each other, and you can pretend devotion, but in the secret thoughts and the secret intentions and the secret unconscious and subconscious, he does judge and weigh all those things and measurements to see how much more do you actually love him and you're willing to give up of the selfishness of the fallen nature for him. And when you surrender, in absolute surrender, that's when more of his purity, his righteousness, his will, his cutter, his wisdom, his hakma, his understanding, his bina full of stars flows through you in the revolution of the luminaries inside of you. And in that chamber of light, the bridegroom's chamber and the sun of righteousness, you begin to understand and know his ways because the light is his light and no longer your using of light that he created that's not really him, false light, but in his light we see light. And where there is clarity and light, there is peace and no darkness in him at all. Yeah, this brings some understanding to the overcomer's gifts in a deeper way. Jesus Christ said in Revelation 2.17, To him who overcomes, I will give a white stone. What's a white stone? A stone emitting Shekinah. To him who overcomes, I will give the sapphire stones. So he who overcomes the dust of the earth, Jesus Christ said the latter will appear. The promise of sanctification is the path appearing before you through the heavenlies. Now he says in another place, To him who overcomes, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne. Where is his throne? The heavens are my throne. The word heavens there is cosmos or stars. The earth is my footstool. So therefore understand all of the gifts are simply higher realms of the path and the walk with God. So it's really a creator station of where the angels are dwelling, the watchers, the archangels, the sapphire stone, is a governmental system. That's why the gemstones are the foundation, the names of the apostles, the names of the twelve tribes. Well, these are patriarchs. These are patriarchs of the old covenant and patriarchs of the new covenant, and they're called stones. So these stones are literal rungs of ruling angelic entities, men in white linen and angels, that are ruling from stones. What, what's a white stone? It's a position of rulership to stand in the heavens. He who overcomes, I will give a white stone, which means your path will go from dirt to glory. So the realization of the glory is the beginning of the potential of realizing the celestial path. Those that settle and turn the earth into their, their heaven, which is what the demons mainly try to do, turn the, the wilderness and the earth dimension, the, the footstool of God, and turn that into a promised land. So therefore, completely rejecting the white stone, the path of white stones, the hidden manna, the, the throne of Jesus, the heavenly Jerusalem, and all the things in heaven in store for us, which is the inheritance of Christ, well, who rejected his inheritance? Esau, a rejection of that celestial dimension of Jesus Christ, puts you into Esau, which is earthly Edom, which has the things of God only outwardly, but none of them internally. So that is the realm of the Antichrist. That is the realm of Babylon the Great. That is what we're conquering and overcoming, overcoming all of us right now in this generation. So 
It's highly deceptive, but once you go after circumcisions, you can know the difference between Christ in you and Christ being added unto you like foolish virgins who are stealing Christ, who is the oil, the anointed one and his anointing, that's Christ, that's what Christ is, and then adding it unto themselves. And so we're going more and more to the cross, we're going more and more to the yielding and the surrendering to someone who's not ourselves, that is the only way to conquer this valley. So he who overcomes and conquers gets these things that is written. These are the things of Jesus, the inheritance of Jesus, what his Father gave him. Those nine overcomer gifts will be yours as Jesus increases on the inside of you. And I want you to understand clearly that that overcoming gift of the white stone is the gift of the sapphire stones because that's exactly what it is. Amen. Amen. And those are the pleasures at his right hand forevermore. Uh, the use, just what you're describing, the, the use of those things that, that come from God, the heavenly things, the wealth, you know, uh, the, the comradeship, all those things that were originated in heaven, even being perfect in heaven, used for the selfish nature of the shadows and the straight, the shadows and the strange fire and the demons of the clippeth. That reside in they hide inside of human selfish will and and human selfish desires all of those things that come down from heaven are corrupted hmm. by those and that's the origins of lust right because there's so much love in heaven if you've been to heaven you know there's a lot of love in heaven hmm. so that's why when the enemy tries to set up their false gardens in the heavens in the second heavens they have false gardens of Eden and they've tried to Put that in the earth and what that is is trying to take the things of God and Jesus right the good things that come down from above and they use it for the shadows any good thing that's from God that's used for shadows or by shadows which is uncircumcision is by default sin it's a perversion of light and so that's why the deception that entangles so many people why do so many people keep falling to sins the common things that gets everybody like lust and greed uh, false destiny it's because maybe the, that destiny you thought you had came down from the Mazal, but it was in the Klippeth, and so it was a perversion of your destiny. And so then you kill and you steal and destroy and wonder why God won't save you. And you're just killing others. Is there just so Every deception is like that. It's stolen light. And so that's why you have to sacrifice all the good things that come down from God, like Isaac, on the altars. Otherwise, you'll never know purity. And the purity increases as you go in the heights. And then you realize you don't need to go after all the, the lust, the money, the greed, the, the desire for my destiny and all, the, all that stuff. Do something for God, you know, financial security, have a home and a wife or a husband and a blah, blah, blah. And you find that you're not chasing those things in your emotions anymore because God resides in you. He's a house. Well, I have a great crystal chaya palace. I'm good. Probably add a crystal palace to you. But even if he didn't, it wouldn't matter to you. You'd still be serving him. Because it's not about the external idolatry of having all this stuff you want. Having all these cars. Or people even saying like, oh, you're going to have this car and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, why do I care? Like, I just don't, you know. When I, I, I still remember the feeling of getting into like a Honda and it was like, well, I can't remember what year it was. But anyway, for me, it was like, from what I had previously, it was like stepping into a Porsche. It might as well have been a Ferrari to me. And I almost cried because it was like, everything was so nice and working in my life. I had a, a, a phone that was working well. 
I had a, 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 like a smartwatch or something at the time. I had a car that was driving well and didn't have any problems and it was so comfortable you know, compared to what I experienced. And I had a job where I was learning and training and seeing healing happening and miracles happening and experiencing and caught up into the, you know, the angelic council above earth, above Malkut for the first time. And after seeing that portal open up and finding out, you know, Satan's hideouts in the observatory, you know, in such a high place in the heavens, and you're going to be a pilot to take us there. So here's a, uh, here's the kind of like a synopsis ahead of time of what this might kind of look like. And just all of those things happening, I realized everything I have in my life is from God. My job is from God. My car, it's like everything I had, I looked, not one thing was something I gave myself. And that feeling cannot be replaced by any measure of money or riches. I, you, you could, no one in a nicer car, no one in any sports car in the world at that moment was happier or more excited or more joyful or more blessed to be in their car than I was to be in my little Honda. Why? Does that mean I'm, I'm going to reject the upgrades? No, of course. He gave me a nicer car in the years after that. But the joy of experiencing God and that tenderness it is almost bringing me to tears when I thank God I'm so thankful you it's a true contentment it's not complacency but I was truly content that's the verse I just heard in the spirit godliness with contentment is great gain and I was so content because I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that everything that I was looking at that I had the clothes I was wearing the car I was driving, the job I was driving to, the music I'm listening to, the thing, all all the blessings, everything I had, even the spiritual content that I was consuming was directly from my Father in Heaven. And He had sustained me and brought me to a higher place. <laughs> and that is, you can't, you can't buy that feeling. True happiness. It's true happiness. Connected to God oh. in every area of your life. And that's what feels so good. <laughs> And then it shocks you. It was almost a shock to me. Then he was like, I wanted to give you a nicer car. You know, he gave me a BMW. I think he likes shocking your senses with the good things. You know, when there are so many signs and wonders and prophecies coming out, you know, what God wants to bless you with is really honestly beyond what you can imagine. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't want to give those things when there's still uncircumcisions there. That's why in the book of Enoch, the eighth week uh, consecration of circumcision is a prerequisite for the houses, right? For the mansions that are listed. They will inherit those things. Why? Because there are certain things that only come out of the soul when you complete the eighth week. And so you're like, oh, it's so far away. This is what the Lord told me when I was in the lower rungs. When I was, when, back when I was in, a, in the world of Isaiah and even Yetzirah and head up to Berea, when I looked up, I would be overwhelmed by how high it looked. It was like, oh, it's so far. It's what could possibly be waiting for me, you know, in those worlds. And I would be a little overwhelmed. That's why he told me at those times, don't study the higher things. <laughs> just focus on, uh, he would give me a little bit ahead. He would give me just enough. So by the time I got there, I had some downloads and it was just right. Just he knew exactly what I needed when I needed it. It's the same way for you. Don't you know that he knows exactly what you need when you need it? And what I find is the breakthrough is almost always just in that next chapter of study, in that next Torah scroll, in that next chapter of the Bible, in that next master class, or that, you know, maybe you've been feeling like, you know, I took the master class, but I'm still, I still haven't made it out of the world of Isaiah. Maybe it's time to go back and study again, listen to it again, 
or put it on the background while you're working, if you're a work from home or you're a work from home mom, have it just playing in the background. And then when you hear the Holy Ghost highlights, it'll be highlighted to you. So you kind of just let the rest kind of go into your spirit. But when he highlights something to you, you just, you write it down or you, then you dive in, then you look it up and you start to hear the voice of God telling you scriptures. Like Brandon just heard that scripture right before I said it. What was that? That's the Holy Spirit leading him into all truth, leading me into all truth, leading you into all truth. And that's how this process works. Most of my circumcision rungs, they usually go like this. When I'm about to get to a next big one that I'm really excited for, this is how it goes. It'll be open free free time, right? So we have different times of the day. It'll be my free time. It can be study time. It can be revelation time. It could be fun time. It could be snack time. You know, it could be any kind of time, tidying up time, whatever. And now I have this opportunity. I'm not being led in any certain direction. I just have my free time. And I'm thinking, what should I, I guess I could study? I could, you know, I could listen to this while I do that. Well, this book is good. Well, I've been hearing, you know, this, like I was in Proverbs this, uh, Rick Joyner's book of that, this thing, you know. There's a lot of things. So, you know, don't get overwhelmed to get in the stuff right because you start to, they all, it's instead of juggling, it's like um, learning how to juggle the, the sapphire stones. Think about it like David's five smooth stones. You start out with those, right, the fivefold. They revolve around you like the ophanim rungs, the wheels. And as your will and desire, or you're based on your need, the desire of the spirit, another one will come up to the forefront and activate. So you need word of, like, uh, faith healing, you know, and it comes up. Or you need, like, to prophesy. Or, you know, you need to be a pastor. Or, you know, you need to teach. They all revolve constantly. But that one that's coming for needed attention, just like when uh, when I saw Enoch as Metatron sitting in the, the chair of the wheel of his uh, chariot, and I was sitting next to him watching how he does it, there's screens all over. I mean, he's fathoming so many things happening in the world and all the heavens all at once. Like, godlike activity that only, like, someone who is, like, you know, part of YHVH family, you have to have YHVH DNA to be able to do that. To be conscious of all those things happening. Like, before someone thinks a thought and he knows it. Like, that's part of his angel-like ability. God-like ability is a son of God. Son of God, which means you have God's DNA, which means you have God's, some of his abilities as you're faithful. So as I'm watching him doing all this crazy stuff, I'm like, how does he fathom all these screens? I was like, you know, some people are like, I'm not the best multitasker in the world. I know, I, you know, I, I was a good multitasker in my job, but this is on another level. Like, this is just... <clears throat> so you have to be a son, you must have the DNA. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so good. And so as I'm watching him doing his thing, and of course, you know, he's got that blue, lightning blue glow because, you know, there's, there's mysteries of why, why is it the school of Metatron? Why is it the school of Enoch, the school of Metatron, that first school that you go to? And he's lightning blue. And the sapphire stones are lightning blue. How much does God love Enoch? What did he create him to be? It's a lot more than you know. And he started off born as just a regular person. Just like me and you. Elijah was born as a regular person. So as I'm watching him do all these screens, what he does to bring one to his attention, either with his mind or with his hand, it and one of the screens would come up right to his attention. And that was his main focus. He was still aware of all the other things. But the main thing he was focusing on was that that he brought up through his will and his desire, which is his lightning crown, and it brought it up through that 
through that uh, electricity. That's how the angel technology works. Right, it's Sephiroth in here, Sephiroth stuff out here, and that's how everything works. <laughs> and I was like, man, that's cool. So I had my own little baby screen log, and I was in my little pink chair next to his big chair, you know, I'm tiny. And I get my, the RLM and my login screen that came up, it literally had, like, uh, you can see here in the corner, the RLM. Uh, this is before we had the uh, TV, so, and uh, the TV or the floor down there, so it had the RLM purple logo all on the screen, and it was like a big login screen, like a, what size, I don't know, the, the aspect ratio, like a, ten, I think it was 1920, 10 you know, by 10 it had TV. the RLM logo on his yeah, login the, screen. Yeah, it had the purple RLM, and it had like the flamingos, and Amazing. The anchors, <laughs> and the flowers, and the palm trees, and I was like, what? <laughs> That's some serious mentorship. And, you know, and I was like, I was freaking out because I got to log in there. It said RLM, and then it had my name for my login screen, and it said uh, Barthrop mm. on it. It had it was, as my name, and I was just like looking at like you guys put that. And then my next thought was because this is this how I know. Yeah, what an not, honor! Isn't that cool? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's my that's my name, you know, on here. And uh, my next thought was. Whoa, but how did you get the font? Uh, yeah. Come on, like really creative God power, uh, omni, the omniscient, oh the same God. font. And then he just looks at me like, uh, you know, how do you get it? Download, upload, like obviously. And I was just like amazed. Wow, <laughs> all the things happening right now. He's glowing lightning blue. All these screens are flying around. He's fathoming everything happening in the world as God right now. And you're asking, how did you get the font? <laughs> but that's how it is, isn't it? When we're infants in God. I was like, you know, three years old in the glory and just like, it was my first time being in the heavens. I was, it was my first, like maybe several months in the heavens or something like that. Yeah. I just don't, you know, when we don't know, we don't know. It was like my first time meeting the chariot of the sun, Ophanim, that carries the sun and it's full of eyes all around on the wheels. And I'm just like, my thought is like, it's cute. I want to hug it. It's scary, but it's cute. But it's very cute. And I remember thinking like, you know, human behavior, I'm always trying to be actively like, you know, make eye contact. Where we're trained, right? You're trained in business. Make eye contact. You need to meet someone, a good handshake, right? Which I do look at. Yeah, I was like, I, so yeah. I thought my best bet was to spend a little time on each one that kind of uh, my eyes were drawn to. Like, yep, acknowledge these eyes over here. And I thought you think it was kind of funny. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> But now that I have a lot, way more eyes, I just look at them with all of my eyes that I have affixed to my wings. Mm. Uh, so I'm I'm full of eyes, so I just look at them with all my dimensional eyes, and it's just normal. Yeah. You know, like, you know, think that's like pre-transfiguration, post-transfiguration in the sun mentalities. Uh, but there's there's so many things like that. It's, it's fun going up. But heaven, all of heaven loves you, and mm -hmm. I think that's one of the things that we're so surprised because we're used to on the earth when it feels like everyone hates me, you know? You might feel like that sometimes when, you know, you have a bad day at work or like, you know, people reject the pioneering stuff or, you know, you do get a lot of, uh, you get a lot of hate sometimes when you follow the pioneers. So you might feel like, does anybody, my family doesn't even love me anymore, you know? And like, did they even ever love me? You know, all that stuff. And then you realize, wow, all of heaven loves me. This is great. So the higher you go up, the more close you are to the source of that love and you feel 
loved by the angels. You feel loved by God. You feel loved by the saints in heaven. They're really cheering for you. They're really rooting you on without like any selfishness or like greed or, or bad feeling toward you being fake or like, or they're just, you know, trying to get me or whatever. It's not like that. They're just wonderful people because they don't have any of the old Adamic nature or the fallen uh, sinful nature in them. And so that's the whole point. And they're excited to see you rise because all the work that those people did that are in heaven now, uh, those who contributed in the past years, in the past decades and eons, you know, however many thousands of years of cloud of witnesses people now, that they, in a way, laid down their lives to pay a price to advance the kingdom so that you and I could walk in righteousness. And so their rewards also come as we walk in righteousness. So in a way, the best thing you can do to love the people, the love back people in heaven is to walk in righteousness, walk in purity, walk in righteousness. And that's the best way you can show heaven that you care, that you also love them and that you want to advance the kingdom and make good use of what they paid such a steep price. Like some of those people gave their lives in horrific ways and you know, they paid a great price uh, that you know, you may never know that. And I hope you do never know that in your own life, but just understand that those people who did pay such a, a steep price and Jesus paid the ultimate price uh, above and below, he paid the ultimate price for you and I to be with him in heaven, to have eternal life, to know him. And how is he known? Within the palaces. Amen. Salvation is being with him in heaven while in the body. That Philippians 3.11, the spirit and the soul rise while in the body. And we read in 2 Peter 1.19 that it's simply by looking closer into the Word. All rising is by looking more deeply into the Word. The Word is the keys to all these higher things formed inside you. And you too will rise as you go deeper in the living Word of God. Big announcement. This is the last broadcast for a week. We'll return broadcasting 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Tuesday, February 6th. So we are taking a week off. We've been working for three months straight since coming to Florida, so we're excited to have a little time for rest and recuperation and just enjoyment. And it's going to be a wonderful time of peace for us and even a study and going deeper in the things of God. We're going to come back uh, in a brand new season, February 6th. So you guys have an incredible week. I encourage you to press into the Word of God, press into your sanctification, looking deeper and closer into the Word that you might find the morning star shining in your hearts and begin rising in glorious ways in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. We'll see, see you guys. February 6th. God bless you guys. Ladies and gentlemen, esteemed viewers of RLM TV, thank you for joining us in this sacred space where we come together to explore the profound teachings of the Bible. Today I stand before you to extend a heartfelt invitation to support RLM TV, a platform that endeavors to bring the timeless wisdom of the scriptures into the homes and hearts of believers around the world. In the book of Proverbs chapter 4 verse 7, we are reminded that wisdom is the principal thing, and with all our getting, we should get understanding. RLM TV is dedicated to providing that understanding. To unravel the layers of divine knowledge embedded in the Holy Scriptures, your support is crucial in allowing us to continue this noble mission. As we embark on this journey, 
Let us draw inspiration from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, where Jesus instructs his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. RLM aspires to fulfill this divine commission by reaching out to souls across the globe, illuminating their lives with the light of God's Word. Your generous contributions play a pivotal role in sustaining this beacon of enlightenment. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, verse 38, encourages us with the promise that when we give, it will be given to us in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. By supporting RLM TV, you are sowing seeds of spiritual abundance, not only for yourselves, but for countless others who will reap the harvest of God's grace through this ministry. In the book of Malachi, chapter 3, verse 10, we are challenged to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in God's house. RLM TV is that spiritual storehouse where the sustenance of God's Word is shared abundantly. Your financial contributions ensure that the storehouse remains full, allowing us to continue feeding the hungry souls seeking nourishment for their faith. In conclusion, let us heed the words of Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, which assures us that our God will supply every need of ours according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. As you consider contributing to RLM TV, know that you are partaking in a divine partnership to spread the richness of God's glory through the medium of internet and television. Thank you for your attention, and may your hearts be moved to support RLM TV as we journey together in the pursuit of spiritual enlightenment and understanding. God bless you abundantly. Amen.